Amen. If you have your Bibles, go to Judges chapter 11 tonight while I try to get Yeah, yeah, no worries. Amen. Judges chapter 11 tonight. Thank you, uh, worship team. Thank you for your giving tonight. Uh, I'm feeding back still on uh, the monitors here. Um, weird, isn't it? You want to hear yourself. Amen. Judges 11, verse 1. Judges 11 tonight. Amen. I was reading a story about a man who was a famous preacher uh, in the Europe uh, named Campbell Morgan. And uh, this man uh, was one of the 150 young men who sought entrance an entrance to the Wesleyan ministry in 1888. He successfully passed the doctrinal examination, but then faced the trial sermon. In a cavernous auditorium that could sit more than a thousand, sat three ministers and 75 others who came to listen. When Campbell Morgan stepped out into the pulpit, the vast room and the searching, critical eyes caught him up short. Two weeks later, Campbell Morgan, as he began to uh, 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 expect to receive a response from the seminary, received a letter, and in that letter were just these words, rejected for the ministry. And this caused Campbell Morgan to be heartbroken. What, he, we, what was said later on is he wrote to his father. He wired a letter to his dad. And in that letter, he just simply wired these words, rejected. And he sat down and his dad, after a couple of days or weeks, sent back a response. And when his dad sent back a response, he said, the reply was simply this, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven, dad. Later years, Morgan would say, God said to me, in the weeks of loneliness and darkness that follow, I want you to cease making plans for yourself and let me plan your life. Rejected. Rejection is rarely permanent, as, as Campbell Morgan went on to prove. Even in this life, circumstances can change. Ultimately, there is no rejection of those who have been accepted by Christ. There's a profound reality and a statement that has always remained at the core of my belief. And this is simply... Your past doesn't determine your future. Just like Campbell Morgan in our story, here's a man who was rejected. He was rejected among all the 150. He was one of those men who, uh, uh, who was completely sidetracked, laid aside. 
And yet, as we find so relevant to this, in this generation, this is a spirit that incredibly paralyzes people from all walks of life. In society today, in society today, you find this to be true, where people begin to respond to what they're going through, and they're going through the seasons they face in life, and when you sit down and you spend time with them, you realize that somewhere along that pathway, they have been rejected, either by their loved ones, by a father or a mother, by a child maybe, by a grandparent, somewhere along the line that rejection had taken a toll on them and the effects of that rejection is playing right through in life today. And I want to talk to you for a few moments, a sermon I'd call Refusing Rejection. But before I go into that, I completely, uh, uh, it slipped my mind uh, to do this before I preach, um, I want to take a moment tonight and see if there's anyone here who has a quick testimony for what God has done in your life. Is there anyone here this evening that you want to thank God? Um, I, I, I completely, you know, uh, sidetracked. I, I knew this is what I wanted to do tonight, but I straight went into the sermon uh, but if there's anyone here, could you just let me know? I want you to come up. And yes, uh, Venus, come. Uh, I, I think I shared a little bit of it, but you don't know the details. Come, tell people what God did this week. Let's welcome her. Where's the, the mic? Uh, shall I use this? Okay. There you go. Uh, good, good evening to each and everyone, brother and sister. Uh, I just want to share my testimony about the blessing that uh, due to my I, God done to my daughter again uh, because uh, last year last year the uh, my do, my daughter Nika is uh, removed from scholarship so every month or every exam I so struggle about the payment so I I always uh, pray to God and this one my faith lah, that uh, God uh, you tell that to you to your to your word that I trust you I I I, I serve you fast Everything I do is you, I will do first. And you are the one to do the, the rest, I said. So I trust you in your word. So every time examination of my daughter need a payment. So uh, Lord, I need your miracle right now. I believe that even they will they remove the, my daughter in the list do miracle do something i said so after one week uh, we are surprised because my daughter had a had a call from university and they tell that come nika and you will receive twenty thousand peso for a scholarship 
and you are already in a conform uh, you have a scholarship so i thank god god is good all the time amen. Amen. amen anyone else tonight you have a short quick testimony that you want to give god thanks and praise uh, for anybody anyone you want to encourage someone you got a testimony of what god has done um, and you want to share that going once hey i got a sermon to preach <laughs> whether you testify or you don't i'll preach <laughs> but um, if uh, you testify um, you give God the praise and the glory and you encourage others as well of what God is doing. Anybody else in this place, you have a quick testimony of what God has been doing in your life. Yeah, Evangelist Mark, amen. Let's welcome him tonight. No introduction needed, huh? Eh? All right. All right. Uh, you know, most of you know that uh, I've been involved in the <coughs> prayer ministry, uh, praying for all this, the people who are sick in the body. Uh, well, they have to be sick in their body for me to pray for. You know, the many who are infected with this COVID uh, virus that we have been praying for, uh, we meet uh, online every day. You know, the people who are actually infected, we get them on the online and we pray as a team. You know, I, I go to this, this center, Valagin Center, and uh, there are many who are, who are infected with this cancer. You know, there's two, there's two ladies just uh, was, uh, when I visited a doctor, they are infected with this cancer. One of the ladies uh, had a brain cancer. All right, we've been praying for her. Another lady, her name, uh, she's from Australia. Her name is uh, <coughs> Entra. Uh, the doctor has given her three months. You know, what surprised me is, you know, all these people, were, when we get them into, when we pray for them, they eventually join into the team and they go along with us and then we pray for others as well. That is a miracle of God. You know, <clears throat> I was not even uh, given an opportunity to pray for people who are sick outside. But yeah, God has put me in a, uh, in a position, in a situation where I pray for people. And I saw miracles happen. And one, one uh, uh, very obvious miracle was, you know, when I go to the center practically every day, just after the COVID in, uh, infected uh, was announced, uh, that lockdown, I've been going to the center every day. You know, I was so close to the, 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 uh, Dr. Kenny's mom. No, she got infected. I was not told that she got infected. You know, I was so close with her. We sit together, drink coffee every day, particularly I'm there. But God has protected me. In fact, everyone in the center got infected with COVID, except for one or two of them. Most of them have got infected. And I'm there every day. This is a miracle of God. This is really a miracle of God. God protects his children. And not many of them are believers. But a couple of them are believers. Everyone who believe they have been protected from this virus. You know, uh, the virus is there, rampant. 
we don't even know. But it's not by purpose that we're going to go, uh, uh, what do you call that, mingle around with the people who have got virus. You know, if you do that purposely, that means you're looking for trouble. But ignorantly, we join people. Um, God protects his faithful children. All right. So that is a testimony. I'm going to, uh, that's a testimony that I can tell you that this is, this is very evident. That God protects his children. All right. That's all I have. Thanks. Amen. Anyone else this evening? You got a quick... Uh, yes, Delisha. Come. Let's welcome her as she comes. Amen. Hi, church. I'm Delisha. Uh, I want to thank God for, as a Christian, I very less, not very less, like, I didn't see much miracle happen in my life. And if ha miracle happen, also I didn't notice. But this time, I really take it, because I really pray hard for it. Maybe sometimes I didn't pray hard, like, but this time I really pray hard for, for it. So God really make it, make it, made me to believe that He is true, He is there, listen to us. So uh, I want to share during my wedding day, um, February, on the 4th, 4th of February, um, the day before uh, we see the weather podcast, uh, is it called, uh, forecast, uh, okay? So it will be raining on my wedding day for 70%. So the, on the 3rd February, it's already very cloudy, very very dark already. The wind also very strong. I, I, I call my ate, I call my, all my um, church members and include pastor. All of, all of them in this church, I tell them, help me to pray for the good weather on my wedding day. So when I look the weather, the next day morning, uh, got dizzying, uh, got uh, raining a bit, 8 o'clock in the morning. I still pray, I say, God, I, you really need to let me believe you that you are really true. If you this one also, you cannot make it. Uh, I think I really put my hope to you. Memang decreased a lot already. Uh, because I really pray this hard. I never this hard before. And, so many things happen in my life, never this hard before. I don't know why the wedding day means so much for me. Lah. Because we didn't do it in the hotel, we didn't do it in the restaurant, we do, we do it uh, outdoor. So it's very, very mean to, a lot to me. So uh, when the groom arrived, the rain totally stopped and all the, cloud, the cloudy one all moved away. The sun coming out. I was like, after that, Okay, I really thank God for that already. I said, God, make sure you hold that, you don't rain. Until night, after 10 o'clock, you want to banje, you banje. Uh, okay, so I really make a deal with God. Lah. Okay, when I done do all the things in the groom side, and then suddenly, got one, um, how to say, got one Chinese guy, the, how to say, he, his body like can, can enter spirit one. Like the Chinese spirit entered to his body. Suddenly, from the main door, he walked into the, my, my in-law house. I, I told Thompson, I told my husband, what happened to this guy? Suddenly walked in. He said, okay, okay, you stand aside, you stand aside. Then he keep on, uh, don't know what, I don't understand what he's talking like, his Buddhist language. And then he said, oh, I pray for, I pray for the sky not to rain. That's why today you need to, uh, uh, how to say, uh, give me present. I said, what kind of present? He said, oh, uh, give me machun, machun. I want, I want Maria. I want uh, happening. So my husband's side is a Buddhist, so they need to give. But in my heart, until that day, and I tell Thompson, I tell my husband, this is my God. Yeah. Um, that my, my God. I don't trust the things that happen by this guy. But you must believe. I pray really hard. All the church people pray for me. But I, until today, no matter what happened, 
and other people do the things not, not to rain, but I believe that Jesus is true. Okay, I hope all of you guys really put your hope in Jesus. Okay, amen. Childlike faith. A childlike faith. That's what it is all about. Praise God. Very good. Very, very good. Anyone else this evening, you have a quick testimony to encourage someone um, and to who? Oh, Rina. Come, Rina. All right. Come on. Rock and roll. Hello, so um, my name is Rina and um, so I'm, I've been raised by a Christian family um, but then like my belief in God wasn't as good lah, I would say. And then like even when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I joined the praise and worship and stuff but it wasn't like, it didn't really come from my heart. So even like when I was 13, I lost my faith in God. And like, whenever my father used to call me to pray and all that, I was like, no lah, you know, like being all lazy and stuff. And then like, I, I did that lah for a few years. And then like until even like when I come to church, I wouldn't like have the like, I wouldn't have, what? I don't have faith in God. Yeah, I don't know how to explain. My English is not as good, but yeah. And then like, um, and then until like this year, I came to my senses that I really need God and stuff. And, and I feel like what really, really made me realize that I need God is that things that happened in like in the past two years, you know? So like I've seen like a lot of, I met like few people in like past few, <laughs> what am I talking? Past few years, and then like, um, I wanted to like pray for one of the person I know to get saved. So like, I every night I pray to God. My my faith level is still isn't as good, but I I feel like I'm getting there. I even encourage some of my Christian friends to pray to God, and then like, I. I pray for like a person to get saved and I want their family to get saved as well. Um, I don't know what I'm talking here, but yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Right. Amen. That's a good first shot. Amen. Amen. But that's what it is all about, right? Faith. As you come to church, you hear the preaching. And there's an invisible work of God that begins to happen in the heart. And God begins to do something in us. And so, praise God, praise God. Very, very good this evening. Anyone else this evening, a quick testimony of what God has been doing in your life. You want to quickly share, uh, encourage, be a blessing to someone tonight. Amen. Isaac, come on. Amen. Um, okay, everyone. Uh, okay. I'm going to do my testimony, uh, a quick one, about my school. Okay, um, a couple of days I'm trying to talk with my headmaster about the CF that we're trying to do, but we doesn't manage to do that. But there's another teacher come to say, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I wanted to talk to the headmaster. Then teacher is like, oh, 
what do you want to talk to headmaster? I'm like, uh, for the CF? Then teacher, because uh, that is a Chinese teacher, and she's a Buddhist, and she wanted to know more. Then I talked to the teacher more of the Christian fellowship, everything. Then teacher was like, okay, but if you want to do this CF, it's quite hard because you need the letters and everything. Then um, I like, it's okay, um, it's okay, but I trust God that we'll go through this. And anyway, we, does, we didn't manage to talk to a headmaster, but the Chinese teacher said, it's okay, I will help you to talk to the headmaster to manage that. Uh, that's all I have. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Very good testimonies. Very, very good. Excellent. Excellent. These are encounters that they're having with God. Encounters that they're having with God. You must have your personal encounters with God. Amen. Anyone else tonight, you have a quick uh, testimony you'd like to share? Okay. All right. Amen. Let's go to Judges then tonight. Amen. I won't preach long. <laughs> you know that doesn't happen, but we'll hope tonight it does. Uh, and we'll leave and we'll, we'll be fed spiritually before we leave tonight. Judges 11. So I told you the story about Campbell Morgan, about this man who had applied to go into seminary and the words that had come back to him were the words rejected, right? And this man, as you read his biography, he was devastated by the very sheer nature of being rejected. But as I thought about that, beloved, I realized that we are battling this in our generation today. That people on the inside are wounded and they medicate their wounds through many different methods today. And I begin to realize that in the Word of God, there is a man that we can connect to and realize that he was a man who was utterly rejected by his society. He was an outcast. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. They got rid of him. They cleared him off. But the reality of the story can be what we battle with as Christians when it comes to rejection. I want to read Judges chapter 11, verses 1, to, 1 through 3, and I'll paraphrase most of it as we move along. In Judges 11, 1 to 3, now there was a man named Jephthah, the Gileadite. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. So here's a man by the name of Jephthah. This man, as you see in this passage, was birthed out of a prostitute. 
he's, he's dead. The Bible says, begin to uh, go out. He found a woman and he had a child with this woman. This young man eventually grew. And as he grew, he became a reject among his own people. They wanted nothing to do with him. He was a son of a harlot. But what was very contrasting in this passage is the Bible makes it so clear. He was a mighty man of valor, yet he was a son of a harlot. How paradoxical that can be. And I begin to realize God showed me right here that your past doesn't determine your future. That here's a man who was born out of wedlock. Here's a man who was born and everyone in his society, everyone in his community threw him out, said we want nothing to do with you. But as you begin to study this passage as an outcast, they told him you will not get an inheritance from this place. And how many Christians, how many believers... We know, beloved, that being rejected can be a painful, painful element that we battle with. But through the words of Jephthah that you find him speak, they call him back eventually as you read further on. They call Jephthah back and they said, would you fight um, towards the Ammonites? Would you fight for us? And it began to make sense to me as I was reading that. That here's a man who's battling rejection. And how many know, beloved, that oftentimes we try to medicate our rejection by title and position. By recognition and acceptance. Jephthah was in a place where he wanted acceptance. Today, there's social media that has blown up. Today, you have things that transpire and happens where people are looking to be given a thumbs up or a like. We enjoy that acceptance. We enjoy that, 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 you know, that nature of being said, you know what, I, I, I like you and I want you. And we want that. We desire the title. We desire the position. But sometimes the reason that is present is because somewhere along the line, we have felt a sense of rejection that we are trying to medicate. And how does rejection come? Oftentimes, it may not be just merely how Jephthah experienced it, but rather sometimes if we don't deal with these rejections in life, it leads us to a place of insecurity. Re undealt rejection leads to insecurity. This is where Jephthah was. He began to give he began to give in to insecurity. As you read in verses 6 through verses 8, and Cheng Kuang, if you can just follow along with me in verses 6 through 8, they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And what did the elders say? The elders of Gilead responded, that is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. The danger 
the danger with undealt rejection is if you're not careful, it can lead you to a place of becoming cynical. The moment they called Jephthah back, he began to question their motives. He said, why are you doing this? Why are you bothered to even come look for me? But the deep-seated issue that led Jephthah to this place was the reality that he was battling with rejection. He was condemned. He was put aside. He was an outcast. He was a man who was supposed to receive an inheritance and yet he was pushed aside and essentially this altered his thinking. I remember reading a story about someone who deals with rejection and oftentimes there's suspicion. There's always that sheer suspicion that appears when you say something nice to them, they always seem to have a very negative response. There was a man who complimented a woman saying, you look nice today. And a woman who battles with rejection, let me, let me add that in, who battles with rejection, responded to the man, are you saying I don't look nice every day? You said I look nice today. That must mean you think I don't look good on other days. Her puzzle friend said, no, I didn't mean that. I just think that your dress looks nice. I didn't mean, well, I don't know how to take it any other way. You think I look bad most of the time, don't you? And because her perspective has become twisted, but the reason, the reason for that is because she had undealt rejection. Let me ask you this evening. If we retrieved your past, if we visited the moments of pain that was in the past, can you attribute rejection to the result of who you have become today? Do you become suspicious? Is your mind twisted? Are you always questioning people's sincerity? Are you always wondering if people mean well for you or they, are, they have hidden motives on the inside? Because that was the story of Jephthah right here. Jephthah was a man who dealt with insecurity, deep-seated, and he was longing to be accepted. He was longing to be taken. This was his coping mechanism, beloved. And here's a man who knew his value. He realized that these people who surrounded him never wanted him for who he was. And what was so fascinating about this story is in Judges 11, 29 to 31, Jephthah agrees to go and fight the Ammonites. And just bear with me as I journey along this passage with you, and then I will, I will summarize whatever God has put upon my heart. Tonight, in, in, in Judges, 20, Judges 11, 29 to 31, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He passed through Gilead and Manasseh 
and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced towards the people of Ammon. Jephthah made a vow. Listen to this vow that he made. If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Right here, this man who permitted rejection to take root in his heart makes a vow, an unnecessary vow. Why? Why does he say this? Why does he say words that were not necessary? Why does he go on and say something extra? Oh, if you give me victory, I will sacrifice whatever leaves my house, whatever steps out of my house, I will give it up to you. I will sacrifice it. I will, I will give it to you, God. That was unnecessary. But here's a man, because of his rejection, he always felt, I'm not good enough. Here's a man, because of his rejection, insecurity has sipped in. And he's making this unnecessary vow. You always hear, many a times when people want something from God, they will tell God, if you do this for me, I will do that for you. Right? If God, you will do this, I will do that. If you will. And sometimes God says, I don't need you to do anything for me. But why do they feel compelled to do that? Because they feel, they feel devalued. They feel undervalued. Rejection has the ability to do that to you. This is the sad reality, beloved. That when we experience rejection in life, we always feel the need to convince God. Because we feel we're not good enough. And when we read about Jephthah, we can sense that his past is still present. In the way he responded to his own brothers, there was a form of rejection in his words that was still present. And what really intrigued me is God began to bring this man back to the place where he really had an issue. Jephthah's rejection was exposed as God brought him back to the place where it all began and his response to the rejection, his response to the people of Gilead will determine how he responds to his rejection. Listen very carefully to me, beloved. This is the danger with rejection. When you deal with with rejection. Don't worry, tonight's sermon is a very simple message tonight. But God wants to deal with this very spirit. You have to bear in mind that this spirit of rejection will find its loopholes. I've sat down and I've spoken to people and many a times they will make unnecessary statements and remarks because they feel unwanted, rejected. And this is a spirit that is taking its toll in the kingdom of God. This is a spirit, if you're not careful, 
You can live with your spouse and yet feel rejected. You can live and work for someone who speaks words of rejection towards you. And if you're not careful, the spirit can take root. And you constantly feel that I must, I must try and make up for that rejection. What was interesting is that the very first thing that came out of Jephthah's house, the very first thing that left his home, the moment he went to Amon, he fought them, he had victory over them. And the first thing to walk out of his door in Judges chapter 11, 34 to 35, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing, and she was his only child. <coughs> Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. It came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. But I've given my word to the Lord and I cannot go back on it. You know who he had to sacrifice? His own daughter. Let me make a statement to you here. Your rejection can become the price your children will have to pay. When you fail to deal with those rejections in life, when you fail to confront those rejections in life, you, you're, you're deep down inside, you're hurt, you're broken. You know that, you know what, my past isn't good. My past has nothing good that, that I can say for it. And I'm, and, and, and I'm you know, my, 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 my life seems to be worthless. Unless I make a vow, I will have no victories in life. That's when you become a man pleaser. That's when you try to please people. Because you've been rejected so many times, you're afraid to get rejected again. So now you become someone who just does whatever people tell you to do. You're willing to bow down. You're willing to to accept anything they say to you. You're willing to go along the way. And as we find this to be true, beloved, so many Christians make unnecessary vows. <coughs> we say things that we don't mean. And I want you to know tonight, beloved, that God wants to bring healing on rejection. Tonight, I challenge you. I don't know who is this for tonight. But as I was working on this, I realized that God wanted me to keep it very snappy, very short. And as you can tell, there's nothing too much weighty in what I said. But we are going to spend time at the altar tonight. And maybe you find yourself in the place of Jephthah.
Maybe you look at your life and your family, if you look at the customs that we have today, you you feel that you're an outcast. You know, today people feel rejected when they go back for Chinese New Year celebration. My brother drives a Mercedes. I drive a Kanchil. And they feel small. Their value comes from what they own and what they have. Or they come to a place where they've told them, they've, 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 they've looked at them and they said, oh, you, you married who? No degree, no PhD. And they feel rejected. And this is, this is very true in many areas of society. Schools do this. Offices. A certain type of clique, a certain type of, a, a certain type of group of people that is an outcast. And this happens, beloved. You and I can relate to Jephthah. We know the effects of it, beloved. I make a statement to you right here. Man's rejection oftentimes is God's direction. Sometimes when you face the greatest rejection in life, I preached to you about failure last week. I told you about the story of Dr. Seuss, of how many times he was rejected. I'm reading the story of Malcolm Gladwell, who tried to publish his book, David and Goliath. And the story goes, he was rejected again and again and again and again and again. And as he began to reflect on the rejection, he published the letter. Because he said, I want people to know that there is a different direction in that rejection. But the problem is, many a times when we are rejected, we wallow in cynicism. We wallow in our negativity. Instead of choosing to say, hey, why is this happening and trying to find a different... Uh, Jephthah, beloved, the Bible gives us insight concerning... And I'm not going to go into all those details. But I tell you, our God is a miracle-working God. That even a son of a harlot can be a man of valor. That even a man who was an outcast, who was thrown aside by his own people, eventually won the battle for his people. He was not their choice. He was not the very man that would have been first choice to them. But beloved, let me tell you, sometimes God's rejection is, the, the man's rejection is God's direction. God is trying to show you that by this, I'm leading you somewhere else. I'm showing you something else. So tonight, we're going to pray. Because there are things that happens on the inside, beloved, that we oftentimes refuse. Why, why are these things happening around me? Why am I constantly thinking so twistedly? Maybe somewhere you're rejected. You're afraid of being told no. Instead of taking it in a good way, you've taken it in a poisonous way. And God wants to heal that. God wants to deliver. God wants to set free. 
tonight may be the only hindrance to you moving forward is the rejections you faced in the past. Maybe growing up, your mom, your dad pushed you aside. Maybe it's time God brings healing. Because this is where you begin to make all the unnecessary rounds. If only you would do this for me. You know why people often say that? Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you? Why we seek approval and acceptance? Because we feel the spirit of rejection has taken over. I want you to bow your heads with me.